morning, everyone. Morning. Are you very welcome to our service this morning? And uh, well, it's been quite an eventful week. Um, and I just want to thank everyone who helped at the funeral of Audrey Murray. And would you please continue to pray for Alison and for Mervyn and Ian and the whole family. Also, I'd like to thank everyone who helped with the Abana choir event. It was a, a wonderful evening and it was such a blessing. And for all the work and the kindness of those people who hosted them. And, uh, and I told you you'd fall in love with them. And I think probably most people did. Uh, £1,506 was raised before gift aid and also there were four sponsorships taken up for the children. So thank you very much for your generosity. Um, I've got some figures which John brought me to me last week uh, about the shoe boxes. Um, I just thought you'd like to, be, uh, like to find out about what's happening with Samaritan's Purse. Apparently in Northern Ireland, there were, this past Christmas there, 24,459 boxes uh, were supplied and 3,000 online. And in the United Kingdom, altogether, there were 237,735. And worldwide, there were 10.6 million shoe boxes given out across the world. So uh, again, thank you for your generosity. And Samaritan's Purse, thank us every year. And uh, it is, you are very, very generous, as people are in Northern Ireland. So. And there's more. We have another exciting event coming up, the Belfast Community Gospel Choir concert on Saturday the 9th of March. And there's still time to buy your tickets uh, from Muriel. Uh, so don't miss out on this event. It should be a, a great evening. The PW uh, or Circle of Friends have their next meeting tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. Uh, when Winnie Sloan will be speaking on from, from midwife to missionary and uh, that should be a good evening. All ladies are very welcome to come along to that. Um, the Men's Fellowship uh, breakfast is uh, Saturday the 10th, that's next Saturday, at 9 a.m. Bangor Golf Club, and Brian Fitzsimons is the speaker, and we're looking forward to that as well. Messy Church this afternoon, just a wee reminder, at half past three to five o'clock, um, uh, ben will be leading that, and there's a whole team there will be putting on some really interesting things for the children. So, okay. Okay, I just have, I'll have to read, I'll just read this out. A wee minute. The final announcement, just as you know, we're having a short congregational meeting just after the service today. And I uh, just want to read this section out. Notice is hereby given that a meeting of the congregation will be held on Sunday, immediately after the close of public service, when the appointment of a new congregational trustee for church property will be made by the members of the congregation duly qualified to vote. Okay. So I just want to read, as we start our service, I'd like to read from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 to 21. Paul writes, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And that term, filled there, it's, it's a continuous tense. And uh, 
It means keep on being filled, keep on being filled, keep on being filled with the Spirit. Uh, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I've just seen Billy sitting there in the congregation. I had I was looking down and I couldn't see him. Billy, do you want to come up just and just uh, say your just with regards to the congregation all meeting? I, don't, I didn't mean to take that away from you. <laughs> Thank you, Billy. Um, just that little verse, those verses from Ephesians, it, it's quite interesting that it says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Uh, so we worship God with our, with our heart on, on a Sunday morning, but we're also meant to try and encourage one another with, with what we sing and uh, what we engage in, that we can look around at one another and encourage one another as we sing to God and to one another. So it's an interesting uh, concept that Paul has there. Um, so we're going to start uh, our meeting just with a prayer. Father, we just thank you that you are here today. We thank you that you promised to be here, and God, you are. And Lord, we thank you that Jesus has opened up a way for us to come to the Father and for our your image to be reinstated in our hearts and in our lives and god for you to fill us with your spirit and to strengthen us day by day and we just pray lord this morning that as we come to you in worship that you would really draw us close to yourself that you would encourage us that we make that connection with heaven make that connection with jesus uh, and lord that our hearts would be thrilled in jesus name we ask these things amen Let's stand and sing uh, Men of Faith. And uh, let's include Women of Faith in that as well, underline. <laughs> Men of Faith, my son. 
and girls you want to come up to the front don't leave me standing here on my own please it's good to see us come on she's a pew good to see you all any more all right i wonder sometimes when i was a wee boy and maybe you feel like this sometimes too when I was a wee boy, sometimes I used to feel I'm not very important. I'm not as good at sport as he is or she is. I'm not as clever as that person over there. I'm not as musical as that person. Do you ever feel, who am I? I don't feel as important. Well, I've come this morning to tell you that God loves you as you are not because of the things you can do or you can't do but he says come to me just as you are have you ever felt embarrassed embarrassed you know when you go red in the face i've had a lot of embarrassing moments in my life yes i have i want to tell you about a woman who there she is she got she was very embarrassed she was very quite ill for a long long time and she was very embarrassed about her illness. And she didn't want anybody to know about her illness. And uh, she, she just was too embarrassed to talk to Jesus even about her illness. But one day she'd spent all of her money on doctor's bills and she didn't know what to do. And she heard Jesus was coming to town and walking through her town. And he thought, she thought to herself, if only I could touch the very hem of Jesus' garment, that's the end of it. I could just reach out. So whenever he was walking through, she tried to push her way through and she managed to reach out and touch his garment. And you know what? 
none of the doctor's medicines had helped her at all, but just touching Jesus' garment, she felt healing go right through her whole body, and she was well, and she felt great. But then suddenly Jesus stopped. He stopped at his tracks, and he turned around and he said, who touched me? And this disciple said, sure, master, loads of people are touching you. There's a crowd all around you. But I felt someone touch me. And he saw this woman, and he probably saw right written all over her face, just relief, but embarrassment. And he turned around to the woman, and he says, your faith has healed you. I accept you for who you are. I love you for who you are. Well, I wonder, have you ever felt rejected? Let me see. Ever felt rejected? Well, you probably have heard this wee story because there's a song about it. Zacchaeus, you ever heard of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a man who was a tax collector. He collected taxes for the Romans, in other words, money for the Romans. So he'd come to you and say, give me 10 pounds. And maybe you should only be paying five pounds, but he had put five pounds in his pocket. So he was that sort of con man. He was a Jewish man, but he worked for the Romans. So all of the Jewish people around the place, they knew him, they hated him. They thought he was a traitor. They totally rejected him. But then one day Jesus was walking through his town and he was just interested to see what he was like. And he was only a small man, Zacchaeus, so he climbed up into a tree. And as he looked down from the tree, there were all sorts of important people. There were religious people with all their fancy garments on. There were scribes, there were elders, there were Pharisees. There were all sorts of really important folk. And he just looked down and then he saw Jesus coming. And Jesus didn't pay much heed to the important people the well-educated people or anything like he went right over to the bottom of the tree and he looked up Zacchaeus and he says come down Zacchaeus because I'm coming to your house for a cup of tea so he came down and Zacchaeus nearly fell off the tree couldn't believe it me but everybody hates me everybody detests me and Jesus went to his house and Zacchaeus put his faith in Jesus and we're told that the whole household of Zacchaeus came to faith. And you remember I was saying how he swindled, how he robbed people? He turned around to Jesus and he said, anybody that I have diddled money from, taken money illegally from, I'll give them back fourfold. In other words, if he had taken from you a hundred pound, which he should never have taken, he'd give you four hundred pound back. So he became a follower of Jesus. He was rejected. Now, one more. Have you ever felt ignored? What's it? Ignored is, what's ignored mean? Do you know what ignored means? Have you ever felt that, some, that you weren't important enough for someone to talk to you and they just blanked you? Have you ever felt like that? It's hurtful, isn't it? When, yeah, well, that's what it is to be ignored. And you know what? There was a blind man, and his name was Bartimaeus. And he heard Jesus was coming walking through his town as well. So he sat by the roadside, but there was all this chattering going on all around him. Chatter, chatter, chatter. So many people, so many people. And he was sitting there. And you see, back in those days, you didn't get supplementary benefit. You didn't get any grants. 
if a man was blind, he couldn't work. And so the only thing he could do to survive was to, to beg on the streets. So people hated him for that. But then he started, he heard Jesus coming and he started and he shouted, tried to shout above all the crowds, please Jesus, please Jesus, come over here, please have mercy on me. And everybody else, they were going, Will you be quiet, he doesn't want to talk to the likes of you. And there was chatter, 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 chatter. And he, was, he always was ignored. But Jesus, through all the crowd, heard this little faint voice coming from the side of the road. And he walked through all the important folk and he went over to this man and he healed him. You see, we're told to come to God and God accepts us for who we are because he loves us for who we are. He made you who you are and you're very, very special to him. So don't let anybody ever talk down to you or make you feel small. You remember that God loves you. There's something the Holy Spirit, Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, that's God. And Jesus said about the Holy Spirit that when he would come, he would lead you into truth, would lead his disciples into truth, would remind us what Jesus had said. And a big lie, a big lie is that you're not important. A big lie is that you're not loved, that you're not special. But the Holy Spirit, he comes to establish truth. He comes to remind us of what Jesus said. God so loved you and you and you that he even gave his son. So don't you forget that. You're so special to God. So special. Okay? So we're going to have, we're gonna have a wee look at, uh, at a wee video now, and it's called Spirit of God. Now, it's a new one. Nobody will know it. So we're just going to sit and we're just going to have a wee look. And it reminds us of what the Holy Spirit does. Okay, boys and girls, you can go out to uh, Sunday club and Bible class if you want now, and we'll see you maybe in Massey Church this afternoon um, or next Sunday morning.
just want to say that uh, Anne Bingham has been uh, looking after our Presbyterian Herald and delivering our Presbyterian Herald for 18 years now. And uh, we just want to say a very big thank you to Anne for all that faithfulness and all of that, uh, the work that she has done there. And uh, 18 years, that's a long time. So please give her a round of applause. <laughs> and uh, Pat Woods has kindly agreed to take on that responsibility. Um, if you would like a Presbyterian Herald, please see Pat. Okay. So uh, let's have her offering. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love for us, for your support for, to us, Lord, whenever we are tired or weary. Lord, we thank you for the hope that you bring us when we're feeling despairing and exhausted. We thank you, Lord, for the guidance that you give us, for the leading you give us, for the encouragement you give us. We thank that you are our refuge and our strength. You are our ever-present help in times of trouble. You're our high tower that we can run into and feel safe. Lord, we thank you. We pray, Father, for those who are going through difficult times in our congregation this morning. We pray, God, that you put your loving arms around about them and give them all the grace and the strength and the attention and your love and kindness that they need. We, and Lord, we surrender these offerings to you, Lord, as tokens that everything that we have belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing, Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on me. It's a prayer and a worship. Let's stand.
just want to read from Acts chapter 2, Acts 2, verses 1 to 16, continuing our series in Acts, um, verses 1 to 16 of chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in the bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And we'll leave it there. And this is the word of God. So I just want to come But um, if we could just put on the, the next, uh, that's, let me see, that should go. Yes. Just previously, we were looking at a couple of weeks ago, um, we were looking at, uh, sorry. Yes, yeah, so we're looking at Jesus in chapter 1. He said to his disciples, you shall be my witnesses and to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. But he told them then to wait, to make sure that they waited. And he said, but you will receive power. To wait for the Holy Spirit, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be my witnesses throughout the, the, the world, but you have to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. And so where we carry on from there in chapter 1, Jesus ascends into heaven and the disciples and the apostles, they're standing there and they're gazing into heaven and they're looking and they're, they're shocked. They're, they're amazed, but yet they're feeling alone. They don't know what to do. And there are two men that actually come and talk to them and two men in white apparel. Now, I wonder, were they the same two men that came to the empty tomb, that were there at the empty tomb when the woman came and the men were standing there, and they said, why do you seek the living among the dead? I wonder, were these the same two angels that spoke here? 
And they said, why do you gaze into heaven? Why do you look into heaven? You know, he will come back the same way as he went. In other words, don't just stand there all day looking into heaven. Go and do something. Go and prepare for the Holy Spirit coming. And they knew that the Holy Spirit would definitely come. Everything that Jesus had said along the way had happened. He told them he was going to Jerusalem. They went to Jerusalem. He said he'd be arrested. He was arrested and accused, falsely accused. And he was falsely accused. And he was put across a cross. And everything he told them had happened. The resurrection, he had been raised. And so they know, they know that the Holy Spirit is going to definitely come because Jesus has told them that. But now they're looking up into the sky and they're wondering, what do we do now? We have had him for three years. He's been with us for three years. Even whenever he was raised, these last days, whenever he was raised and until he was ascended there, he always was visiting us. He was eating with us. He was teaching us. He was talking to us. But now he's gone. And there's that sense, there's that sense of just emptiness. Three years with them, his emptiness. And they start to realize, you know what? We need his presence back. We want Jesus back. Sometimes you don't realize what you're missing till you've lost it. And for the next 10 days, the next 10 days before the Holy Spirit comes, they feel that emptiness. But it's that emptiness of heart and spirit that gets them ready for Pentecost. Because as the days go by, they start to realize we need Jesus. We need God's Spirit in us. We need that presence back again. And uh, I'm sure one of the passages which was burnt into their subconscious and into their conscious minds was Jesus when he talked about the, 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 him being the, Jesus said, I am the vine, I am the true vine, I am the main stem, and you are the branches, and I give to you, like a, like a vine gives sap to the branches, I give life to you. I give you ability, I give you strength, I give you power, I give you the fruit of the Spirit, but it comes from the main stem. And I'm sure they're conscious very much Apart from me, you can do nothing, he said. And these 10 days waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, they were so conscious. We can do nothing. Boy, would we feel that now. It was nice words of Jesus back then, but boy, do we feel that now. We can do nothing without him. But then we're told, we're told that uh, in chapter 2, verse 1, that the day of Pentecost had arrived. Now, it wasn't a case of God just choosing a day. This, any day will do. No, this was duty. This was really arranged by God and divinely appointed. Pentecost was a Jewish festival. It was called at one time the Feast of Weeks. And Pentecost means the 50th. And it was the 50th day after Passover. And Passover was usually in April, that we have our Easter, but Passover was usually in April, so 50 days from that would have taken you into June. 
And this was a massive festival. It was the best attended festival in Jerusalem ever. Simply because the weather conditions were good, traveling conditions were good, the roads weren't all soggy and mucky. And so, so many people came to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. From all over Israel they traveled and beyond Israel. And what a place to pour out God's Holy Spirit. What a place to have Peter preach to so many people as the time of Pentecost. So Pentecost was not just an ordinary day picked out. It was preordained by God. Um, But what happened on that day of Pentecost? Sorry. Basically, hold on, I'll put this up just a wee moment. Pentecost was also uh, uh, referred to originally as the fruit of the, uh, the first fruits of, um, of harvest, of the spring harvest. Uh, and what people used to do on this festival, they brought two loaves which had been freshly baked, wheaten loaves, taken from freshly uh, cropped um, fields of wheat, and it was really, really fresh, and it was an offering to God. It was a thank you, God, for the, the success of our harvest, for our spring harvest. And as we're going to see a little later on, this was a particularly poignant time whenever Peter would stand up and the first fruits of the gospel would be that 3,000 people would come to faith in Christ. This was their Pentecost. This was their spring harvest. Do you remember when, when Jesus said to the disciples with the woman at the well there, and Jesus said, look, look around you. The, the, the fields are ripe for harvest. They're ready. They're ready for harvest. And the disciples were, well, only see a Samaritan woman. They didn't understand, but now they understand. Whenever the Holy Spirit comes and Peter will preach, this will be the spring harvest. The spiritual harvest beginning with many coming to faith, and that will just be the start of it. But so, what happened on that special day? Well, we're told suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven where they were sitting. And uh, this, this wind came, it wasn't just a quiet wind, it was a fierce wind that came right through. It's thought that they were praying in the upper room and as they had their heads bowed, this wind came flying through the the room and that was the the sign of the Spirit of God was amongst them. You know, the the term in the Old Testament for, for, for wind or air or breath is the term ruach. Ruach. And it's the same as in the Greek in the New Testament, which is pneuma, and it means spirit. And uh, they, the breath of God was coming into that room. The wind of God was coming into that room. This was the, they'd been feeling empty for 10 days, and now they were being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the term ruach in the Old Testament, Ezekiel uses that term, um, uh, ruach. He described in his vision God's wind. He describes his vision of the valley of dry bones. He has this vision of a valley of dry bones. 
And the dry bones represent a dry, dead Jewish religion. And Ezekiel has this vision um, of these dry bones coming together, bone to bone, and then the sinews actually coming on them, and then the, fle- the, the, the skin eventually coming on them, and the muscles, and it ends up in becoming an incredible army. And then under God's command, um, under God's command, he, he comes and he says, come from the four winds, come from the north and the south and the east and the west. Spirit of God, breath of God, come and lift these bones and put life into these bones. And of course, he was talking about the Jewish, dead Jewish religion. Come and bring life into it. It's dead. It's no good. It's going nowhere. It does nothing for anyone. But come and just come from the four winds, the breath of God, the ruach, the pneuma of God, come. And that was the term used in the Old Testament. And boy, do we need that in Northern Ireland, in our churches in Northern Ireland. We need that so much. The breath of God to revive what has become steel, to revive what has become uh, limp and anemic and dead in places, to revive our hearts with the wind and the breath of God. And that's what Pentecost was about. That's what Pentecost was about. It was revival. Now, um, second thing that happened, though, uh, sorry, I'll just put that back a bit. Yeah. It mentions the, the fire of God. That the fire, when the disciples were sitting there praying, the breath of God came in, the power of God came in, the wind of God came in, but there was also there was a, a, a mighty bit of fire, a mighty flame, and the flames began to divide up and divide up and divide up, and they came and rested upon each apostle. And uh, fire in, in, in the Old Testament or in all of Scripture, it refers to the very presence of God. It refers to the presence of God. Um, for example, the burning bush. The burning bush. Moses looks over at the burning bush, and we have it as our emblem of the Presbyterian Church. And the Latin is Arden said barns, which means burning but still alive. Burning but still alive. Because this bush, there were plenty of bushes in Mount Sinai which caught fire, but this was different. This, there was no ash from this. This was burning, but it was alive. And it symbolized the very presence of God. And God said, get your shoes off, Moses, on this place is holy ground. And, and that's what the fire of God represents in Scripture. And the fire of God is, is, is to come into our lives. The Spirit of God is to come into our lives. And we're to be burning, but still alive. In fact, we're to be burning with a passion and a love for Christ. And the Spirit of God brings that. And the Spirit of God fire cleanses, and the Spirit of God brings a cleansing in our hearts, getting rid of the chaff and getting rid of the rubbish over our lives and bringing a purity 
And so when we're talking about Pentecost, we're talking about the, the breath of God reviving us. We're talking about the fire of God that comes within us and that comes to work in us and a passion for, for Christ and a sense of the presence of God in our everyday lives. Um, so, <laughs> hold on, I'm getting carried away. <laughs> um, this, I want you to get this, if nothing else. Up to now, in the Old Testament, when the Spirit of God came, it came on some king, some good kings, or came on the prophets, particular men um, or women that God wanted to use to do a particular job, and then the Spirit of God would go away again. But here, it was coming on anyone that trusted in Christ, anyone that believed in Christ. Here's God's timetable. Here's God's sequence. Christ is born. Christ speaks of the kingdom of God. You see the displays of the kingdom of God in his miracles and in his teaching. Then he dies on the cross. And he, he dies on the cross being judged by God in, 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 instead of us receiving that judgment. But right then, there's a very crucial thing happens. As he says, this is finished. The veil is torn in two from top to bottom in the temple, a symbol that the presence of God is no longer just for the high priests behind the curtain, no longer just for the prophets or the kings, but it's for every individual. And that's what makes us Christian. That's what Paul says, you can't, have a, you can't be a Christian if you don't have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit, that is God in you. God in you, because when you receive Christ, you receive his Spirit. Because as Jesus goes to heaven, Jesus was limited in when he walked on the earth. He was limited in time and space. So he goes, once he goes, he tells his disciples, it's good that I go because I'm able to send the Holy Spirit. I'm able to send God's Spirit down to live in you. So when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you receive him um, and ask for, you find the forgiveness because of the cross, you find the death is dealt with because of the resurrection, and you find you've got the strength to live the Christian life because he sends the Spirit of God upon you. And that's why Jesus said to them, don't you go anywhere without the Holy Spirit. You wait for the Holy Spirit, and when the Spirit comes, he will lead and guide you. So that, that emptiness that they felt for those 10 days, Jesus is gone, what do we do now? That emptiness within them was now being filled on the day of Pentecost, was now being filled on that day. And these are ordinary men and ordinary women. Men, Peter denied Jesus. All the disciples ran away on, from the Garden of Gethsemane when they arrested him. These were ordinary men, ordinary women, and this is us today. The Spirit of God fills us and guides us and leads us into the truth of the Word of God and reminds us of the things that Jesus had to say. Okay, the third thing that happens, there was a wind, there was the fire, and then there was suddenly these, these, these very, very timid men 
scared man, really scared, didn't want to be crucified the way Jesus was. And they were hiding behind closed doors. And suddenly, as the Spirit of God comes upon them, they don't care anymore. They burst open the door and they run out onto the street and we're told that they declare the, the, the gracious works of God, the mighty works of God. Everyone's listening to the gospel in their own language. All these people, remember, have come down from for Pentecost, come from loads of different areas in Israel, come from outside Israel, and they're amazed and they're going, are not all these who speak Galileans? I mean, they're country bumpkins. I know some of these guys, they're fishermen. And yet now they have this incredible, incredible um, use of linguistics. They're speaking languages they've never spoken before. And we're all listening to the gospel of God in our own language. This is amazing. This is amazing. We hear them speaking in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And, uh, you know, there, there are always responses to Jesus. There are, you know, there are always going to be responses to Jesus. There'll be people that love him, people that hate him, but there'll always be a response. To ignore Jesus, that's a response. Many people say, I'm nothing against Jesus, but to ignore him, that's your decision made. You don't want him. That's your response. But what is the response here? They are, what does, they are amazed at what is going on. There's the wind, there's the fire, there's the speaking in all these languages, the gospel being proclaimed in all these languages out in the street. These guys so courageous. And they're going, what does this mean? What does this mean? This is incredible. What does this mean? They're shocked. They're amazed. And... Uh, there are two different responses. First of all, some say, oh, some make fun. They've had too much wine. And Peter, Peter goes, no, there can't be too much wine. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. It's not too much wine. But some go, ah, as they do today, ah, load of rubbish, load of rubbish, and walk on into their self-centered lives. And then others were amazed, literally distraught. They were one thing, they were seeking answers. They were seeking answers and were told that they found those answers because 3,000 of them came to faith in Christ. That was Pentecost. That was the spring harvest, the spiritual harvest that Jesus had been talking about. Okay, so just finally, I want you to remember emptiness, and filling. The emptiness that the, the guys felt for those 10 days. We've had Jesus for three years with us. He's been walked with us. We have, we have slept out onto the stars with him. We've listened to him. And now he's gone. And boy, do we feel it. We need him back again. We need him back again. But Jesus then, that, that emptiness prepares them they realize we need him. We need him. We really need him. That prepares him for Pentecost. And whenever, you might not be a believer this morning, and you might go, ah, oh, load of rubbish. Well, that's your opinion. 
Or you might be inquisitive because Jesus, we need him. We really need him. We need his presence. We don't need liturgy. We don't need our dead religion. We need Jesus. And whenever you get recognized that emptiness, you can go, Lord, I can't, but you can. I can't save myself. There's nothing I can do on this planet to save me, to open heaven for me. I can try and do, keep the laws. I can try and do things in church and tick all the boxes and do as much as I can in church, but it's never, never enough. I can't. It's only Jesus can save. And we go, I can't, but you can. And maybe you're a tired Christian this morning. Maybe you are really tired and you've worked and you've been a good Christian for many, many years, but you're tired and you're, you feel the strain. Well, it's, again, it's a case of recognizing the emptiness because we, we're told to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit because we're like leaking buckets. Other things come into our lives and the Holy Spirit tends to be pushed to the side or goes down into the corner of our hearts. And we need to be him to be refreshed in us. We need him to be, uh, to be filling us continually. So you might feel, listen, I can't do it as a Christian. I can't live it as a Christian. Well, here's, I can't either. In my own strength, I can't either. And all of us fall. But when the Holy Spirit is allowed to be your friend, your counselor, he's called Parakletos, the one that comes alongside. And allowing him to just move in your heart and life every day as you seek God, even for before you go to work or when you go to bed, or just a moment to allow that freshness of God to, to take off the robes of religion and to allow the freshness of the Holy Spirit just to touch you and ignite your soul. Like those guys were walking to a mess. They went, when they were found out it was Jesus, they were going, worked our hearts strangely warm. Is your heart strangely warm with Jesus this morning? Or is it the tick the box affair of Christianity that you have and you've sort of become stale? Well, God doesn't want it to be stale. God doesn't want it to be dead. He wants it to be alive, a living, vibrant uh, relationship, a freshness that comes uh, from the Holy Spirit. So um, it's wonderful. It's the, best, it's the best message this world has ever heard. And yet so often we treat it as if it was one of the most boring messages. Jesus died so you can have forgiveness. Jesus died on that cross so you wouldn't have to have judgment of God upon you. That you could connect with your Father in heaven. And he says, you know what? You're not on your own. I'm going home. But it's good that I go home because I send the Holy Spirit to live his life in you, through you, in the good times, in the tough times, in all the times, and all that life can throw with you, at you, Emmanuel, I am with you.
Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I've gone on long enough. Now. Let's pray. Father, we just, it's a wonderful, wonderful message. And Lord, I may not betray it very well, but Lord, we thank you that the message stands. Whether the messenger is good or not, Lord, but the message stands that you love us. You give your son for us. And Lord, you open heaven for us. And you give us the very strength of the Holy Spirit to come alongside us and live within us. You give us strength and freshness with you every day. We thank you that it's for ordinary people. We thank you, Lord, it's for everyone. Lord, it doesn't matter what their job is. It doesn't matter who they are. It's for those that trust in Christ, in your Son. And as a result of that, know your life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's uh, stand or we're going we're gonna to sing um, O breath of life. Think of that. Think of Ezekiel. O breath of life. Ruach of God. Breath of life. Breathe that life into us. Breathe that life into me. Let's pray and worship. <laughs> Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit 
be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. And could we just make sure that live stream is ended? Uh, okay.